0: Get a balanced analysis on both domestic and international topics within the framework of cross-cultural comparisons. This is
1: Dialogue. Hello and welcome to Dialogue. Timu, an online shopping site owned by Chinese e-commerce company PDD Holdings, has garnered a lot of attention this year. Aiming to enable everyone to shop like a billionaire, Timu offers heavily discounted goods with direct shipping service. In 2023, Tmoo has been the most downloaded free app in the U.S. and has attracted more than 100 million active users. It has also gained popularity in more than 40 countries all over the world. Why is Tmoo so popular? How does it make money from selling products at competitive prices? And what's the impact in the global market? Join us for our discussion from Beijing. I'm Xu Qinduo. Joining me are Gary Mo, the general partner of GIF Ventures, Annie high entrepreneur at Speedway Scientific, Pascal Coppens, author on Chinese innovation, and Anthony Chan, former chief economist for JP Morgan Chase. Welcome to Dialogue. So Annie, I will start with you. You know, tell us what is Timu. You know, where did it start?
2: So Timu is the American side of the the PDD business. So Pinduoduo. And recently it came up in the U.S. and has phenomenal access. It's a shopping app, it's competing against Amazon, and we've seen phenomenal e-commerce performance from this company.
1: Gary, how different is it from Pinduoduo? I mean, for Chinese uh, viewers here, probably they are, yeah, most of them are probably familiar with PDD, but uh, the overseas performance or overseas function of uh, Timo, uh, is that kind of similar?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that the app looks very different, obviously, but a lot of the techniques and sales features of what you can see in all obviously it's not going to deliver as fast. But everything from the sales promotion to the mini games to the selection of items is basically very, very, very similar in many ways. But again, like the viral features are, I think, what makes the the US app so interesting and so kind of innovative um, at the moment.
1: Pascal, you know, obviously the the app is having global, I mean, globally being felt, uh, not only in the U.S., but also in some European countries, um, like Japan, South Korea, et cetera. So what do you make of it? I mean, you are also on the Chinese innovation. Is this something about innovation here?
0: Well, it's definitely about innovation, but it's more about business innovation uh, than product innovation itself. And and this is quite new for the e-commerce world in, in the West. Uh, many people just wonder, where did it come from? Suddenly, out of nowhere, we see Timu. But the reality is that this consumer-to-manufacturing concept, uh, which is basically a fully managed marketplace that they've created between the factory and the end user. so. The factory is almost shipping directly to the end user using Timu platform, and they take care of everything. And that is quite new as, as a business model to have all that in one. And, and this is kind of what makes it quite unique.
1: Well, Annie, you know, it is a particularly, I guess uh, we can say so, you know, popular in the U.S. Uh, but in the U.S., in the market, we already have the e-commerce giants like uh, Amazon and eBay. I mean, how different is Timu from, say, Amazon here?
2: I would say that Timu offers, uh, you know, a shopping experience that's very familiar to Chinese users but very very different from the US. Um, Amazon is a marketplace style business that's everything from the user experience to the types of products that are shown and how the algorithm works is fundamentally different from how Chinese shopping works. So, you know, Chinese shopping, the reality is, you know, Chinese e-com has been ahead of, you know, most of the world. For many years now, maybe at least for the past, you know, five years. So, bringing what is very familiar and to Chinese shoppers to American users has been quite innovative. It feels very different. Um, the interface fundamentally feels like it's optimizing for something else. And I think the product variety is very different. Amazon has tons of variety, but when you're working directly with the suppliers, with the manufacturers, with the supply chain, I think the level of, you know, product variety and the difference between American platforms that already exist becomes more stark.
1: Gary, you know, one uh, spokesperson of uh, Timo said to the media not long ago, quote, "Uh, we've reinvented the online shopping experience to be more interactive and engaging, drawing inspiration from some aspects of uh, physical retail. This new approach has been well received by consumers globally, playing a significant role in our growing popularity. So it's about, uh, let's say, uh, being different. It's about also uh,
3: being innovative here. Yeah, definitely. So I would say that PDD did, and therefore, you know, Telmo did, is take the, from a business standpoint, the approach of what social media in, what in the social media space in the US and took that philosophy to e-commerce, meaning what does Amazon want to do? Amazon wants you to, buy quality products at affordable prices as much as possible, but there's also premium stuff. At this very moment, the way Permo does its business in the US is it honestly doesn't care all that much about profitability. It's doing everything it can to increase user base as much as possible, even if it has to take a lot. Now, that's one piece. The second piece is to turn e-commerce not from just something where if I need something, I go to the store to buy it, but it's turning shopping into an entertainment experience. Same way if you go to a shopping mall, sometimes if you just are bored or you want to go on a date or you want to hang out with friends, you go to the mall and you have an experience there even if you don't buy anything. Again, as I mentioned before, with the app, there's things like mini games. There's things you can play that don't cause you to spend money, but the whole idea is to get your attention on the app long enough because they trust if you're on the app long enough, you're going to spend money. And furthermore, huge campaign push for people that are social media creators on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, otherwise about, oh, you know, I'm taking the challenge about like putting the outfit together or building a computer. And it's creating the entire shopping experience into a lot of what's very hot these days, which is turning shopping into viral content on social media.
1: Well, Pasca, just as uh, Gary said, uh, maybe if uh, that's the case, that's the like the style, business style of uh, Timo. Is that copyable? You know, can other companies copy this practice and just make it their own and then become as competitive as Timo? Uh, I think they can, but uh, the the issue is, of course, that this business model
0: came out of China which has a specific market in itself. And, and so I believe the challenge is that the, the Western market, they're used to entertainment uh, in one way, and they're used to, to, to buying products in another way. To combine these two, like the Costco and Disney model together, like cheap on one side and entertaining on the other side, is something that all the companies and e-commerce slowly are going to integrate. But this is a process for many companies. For many Chinese companies, it grew out of nothing from from the past. So it it became the past of Chinese e-commerce has been a combination of social and commerce. And I think companies like Timu take this to the next level, which means that they really are focusing on this retention and this attention so that people actually want to be on the app just to be on the app, not to go and search for buying for products. They just find it fun to be on the app and, and and to do things and just see what else is new. This is about impulse buying. Well for Amazon, for example, it's very clear, you go and search for a product that you need. And for most e-commerce in the West, that's what it is. So to transform this into a fun place to be is going to be a big challenge for a company like Amazon or Zalando in Europe, because they've never done it that way. But they, they will have to do it because the new generation, the young generation, Gen Z, they want attention. Uh, they want these influencers. They want people that actually keep them busy. They want to have fun on these uh, platforms. And so this is what is the innovation part of combining this, this attention
1: with combining the cheap prices by having the whole supply chain covered. So, uh, Pascal, you know, Timo is now available in 48 countries uh, in the U.S., across Europe and the Middle East also in South Korea, Southeast Asia, you know, Australia, different cultures, different backgrounds. Uh, are, you, are we saying that, you know, we are seeing the commonality among the Z generation here in terms of shopping? Uh, I say. think, yes, I totally agree. Uh, I think there's a commonality when it's about Gen Z. So the
0: younger population is buying for the same reasons. They. They want to be on TikTok. they also want to be on timu and they, they want to buy products not to buy the products but to to have a time on that app and, and see if there's anything new they can discover this is a journey of discovery that they're going through it's not about just i want this and i go there so there's a similarity on the other hand cheap products is is not something that is culturally binding binding which means that it doesn't matter which culture you're from which country you're from there's always people that want to buy cheaper products in certain regions and specifically with all the challenges we've had outside china with the inflation specifically in europe and in the us people want to buy cheaper or better value products you could say but i think there's also one other aspect of timo which is very interesting it's the practicality of the products I mean, many of these products available there is just very practical things that you need in your household or in your business. And and this is very Chinese in the way of, of addressing needs or solving a problem that, that is, is needed for households or for businesses. And we in the West, we have learned to deal with brands, not so much with practical problems yet. And, and Tim is coming out with all these practical things which a lot of people want to buy. And this is going cross-cultures.
1: Annie, you know, almost like a slogan uh, for Timo, they say they want to enable everyone to buy, to shop like a billionaire, you know, only the cheapest sales. So how how do they manage to sell products or services at such a competitive price? Uh, You earlier talked about, you know, probably direct from, from the platform to the shoppers or from the factories to the shoppers, uh, reducing the, the procedures or making it easier.
2: Yeah, I I think one thing that I believe Gary mentioned earlier was that, um, you know, the way the platform is designed is more for entertainment. So that's a that's a stark difference from how, um, especially in the US, how many apps are currently designed. And for a Western audience, that's that's quite novel. I think there's probably a a second component to this as well. Um, Of course, the prices of cheap, of course, that by itself will allow you to feel like a billionaire when shopping. But at the same time, you know, China is the world's biggest product innovation lab in a sense there's so many users that already exist in China there's such a vast presence of social media so um, apps like xiaohongshu are so significant in China and um, allow consumers, or sorry, allow manufacturers to product test much more quickly. So once you have products that are you know, tested by so many people in China and are proven in their ability to attract consumers to be useful, I think transferring that to um, Western markets like the U.S. then becomes, you know, a, almost like a copy-paste success. It just makes sense for the product that already succeeded in one place to succeed elsewhere too.
1: Let's have a short break. We'll be back right after this Find us on your favorite podcast. We'll see you there.
0: Get a balanced analysis on both domestic and international topics within the framework of cross-cultural comparisons. This is Dialogue.
1: Welcome back. Annie, is there any chance for Timo? probably to improve is the delivery time or shorting is the delivery time.
2: Um, unfortunately, the reality is in the U.S., um, delivery is limited by infrastructure. So um, unlike in China, where there are so many delivery companies that have you know contracted workers all over the place, um, in the U.S., a big form of transportation is still rail to this day and the last mile delivery is just not as developed. So there's some big infrastructure limitations and Amazon has gone about addressing that issue by producing its own infra- infrastructure, having wow. a very extensive network of warehouses, um, and also you know, hiring same day delivery drivers in various cities. Now Timu can, of course, um, throw down the big bucks and try to do the exact same playbook. But I, I think, you know, as it stands, um, Pinduoduo has made significant process or progress in the U.S. just by using cheap prices to make that trade-off pay off for the consumer.
1: Well, Gary, um, if, if you look at the platform, you know, where are the products from? You know, how competitive, uh, you know, are they in terms of quality, in terms of a price? If you compare them to, say, you know, similar products like on uh, Amazon or other
3: platforms? Yeah, so I think that going back to Pascal's point, with the type of things that you can buy on that app, it's not like you have the exact same inventory with like Amazon, right? For example, I'm not going to buy Apple iPhone on there. But those practical things like coat hangers for my closet, a mirror for a bathroom, things like that, that are pretty standardized where it's very clear to most consumers that the brand doesn't always really matter that much. I would say one, from my own personal experience, the, the quality feels about equivalent. And to be honest, a lot of them, sometimes if you look at the product on Amazon, sometimes you can tell by the shape of it and by the way the advertising flyers are in the preview pictures, that it's the exact same item that is on Temu, except there's no brand associated. So that basically, you know, fits in with what all the panelists have been saying, that basically the business model is to take a look at what are these branded things and instead of talking to a brand to sell this on a store like Amazon, go straight to the actual manufacturer and say, hey, just sell this unbranded or sell this under your own white label brand. And it'll you know save consumers like 30 to 40%, if not sometimes over 50% on um, on that exact same item. Pascal, you know, look at the big challenges. You
1: know, uh, some people are saying, you know, like Timo is uh, relying heavily on platform subsidies. Uh, there's also massive advertising Uh, Of Timo, one article in Wired online magazine, you know, suggests uh, uh, such a model is probably not that sustainable. How much do we know, you know, whether this business model is uh, successful, will be sustainable?
0: Well, in terms of uh, customer acquisition, it's it's definitely working out, meaning that there's a lot more customers being created just because of the, the offers, the bargains that they're giving and, and the money that they're pouring into that market. But on the other hand, how are they going to make money from it is is the big question. And I think in in social media, it's very common that it takes years before there's a business model coming out. Look at Amazon, for example. In the past, they didn't have Amazon Cloud, and now they're making lots of money with the clouds that they're offering to the whole world. Timu could do the same thing. Once they have a lot of of customers that are buying online, online and constantly on the app, they need to find new business models and new innovation that actually creates demand within that customer base that they have. The question is, when will that be? How will that be? That's the big question. If they have to continue like it is today, that is definitely not a sustainable business, except that they maybe could earn more money from advertisement, but definitely at those low prices, uh, they will not be able to make money in the next four or five years to come if, if they keep pushing only on the price side. So I think they will have to innovate. I'm confident once they have many, many users and it's clear that it's working out that they will come up with new ideas that they can make money out from different services different products different business models
1: Anthony you know from the point of view of uh, you know a banker's point of view I mean how big a concern for you I mean in terms of uh, sustainability of Timo
3: well I'm not really concerned that they won't succeed over a long period of time what I am concerned is how much money they're spending to to accumulate uh, new customers We know that in the United States, a lot of people, the referral process said, if you somehow can generate more customers, the individual gets free merchandise. They're buying future business. That is temporary. But to the extent that they build the platform, as Pascal has mentioned, they would be able to gain profitability. But over the near term, there would be a lot of losses as they build their client base. And it's going to be a bit tricky to transition from building the business to making money and becoming profitable. I think they will succeed, but it will not be easy.
1: Well, Annie, if you look at the um, PDD, you know, Pinduoduo here in China, uh, if, uh, I mean, Pinduoduo is any reference, you know it's a to capital, uh, market capitalization is already larger than Alibaba, which used to be the largest e-commerce platform in China, does that give people any idea that uh, you know the future of Tmall might be kind of similar to PDD here?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's certainly possible. Um, it's it's worth saying that you know when Amazon developed itself and when you know Alibaba started out, they'd only done it for the very first time, I think for, you know, Timu, this would be the second time they're deploying the same business model or a very similar business model. So I think, you know, having been successful once that already increases the likelihood that it becomes a blowout success a second time. And um, I, I think also, I think Timu maybe has, you know, a higher cultural EQ over time, you know, as, as th- throughout the course, course of development, um, I know they have a team in the US um, that's native to the ground, um, comprised of people who are bilingual and very cross-cultural. So you know, having that additional advantage over maybe predecessors is also a significant advantage and a difference because AliExpress, I think, is also, you know, Alibaba's platform in the US, also very successful, but certainly doesn't have the same level of virality and consumer attraction that Timu has had so far.
1: Well, of course, you know, with this uh you know popularity rising Gary, you know, probably there are also Risks, for example, I mean, political risks, I guess, you know, simply because uh, in a sense, it seems to be uh, like this, you know, it's a Chinese company, it's a Chinese owned company here by PDD Holdings, of course, uh, you know, like one U.S. state has already banned the use of uh, Timo from government devices uh, within that state along with uh, TikTok, ByteDance WeChat and Telegram. Do you think Timo will face, uh, you know, more difficulties in other states in the US?
3: I think certainly that's a great question especially in coming into the new year in 2024 because of the election season. It's guaranteed that, you know, China will continue to be a part of the political discussion that, you know, both sides, uh, the Democrats and Republicans will uh, put up there as a topic and then, which obviously will then cause the issue of Chinese product, Chinese app safety to come to a discussion point. And naturally, of course, like with something as successful and you can see it all over American social media as Timu, it will very much, you know, be under the spotlight. And I, I would say there's a high likelihood that it will will face similar types of pressures even in other states
1: as well. Well, Pascal, do you see any, I mean, risk in terms of politics, in terms of, uh, I don't know, security, maybe that may justify any further like ban in other states in the U.S. Uh, for an uh, app like uh, like Timo. Yeah, I
0: definitely foresee uh, that the, this is going to extend to just one state. I, I live in Europe, and I've talked to a few journalists just recently. And the first question that comes up is, what is Timu doing with all that data? And and is that data staying inside uh, the the Europe? Is it staying inside uh, China? Is it going to go to the Chinese? Communist Party or the Communist Party of China. That's the questions that journalists are asking these days in Europe. So it's clear that the media and the politicians have put their idea that this is a potential national security risk. Specifically, when you look at the US, I mean, there, of course, that's where the Amazon and the big players are in terms of e-commerce. For me, it's more market protection than it's national security risk, but the question is who will frame it and who will talk about it. And and just like, like uh, the panelists mentioned, I mean, in an election year, it's, it's all going to be about China and, and what we're going to do with that. And so this could backfire a lot on, on Timu in the next year to come. Now, it is a little bit different from TikTok where TikTok, for example, is also used by politicians to actually promote themselves to, towards voters. You can't use Timu in the same way to promote yourself as a as a candidate to for the election. Uh, so I think it's more about products. And so the data is maybe less sensitive in a way what people buy than what people say and do on, on the social media app, but it's gonna be looked at it in the same way. So I see definitely data and privacy being a big uh, challenge for, for Timu but also the environmental issues. I see an issue and also jobs. Uh, and that means, yeah, if everything comes from China is gonna take away jobs from the US factories. If of course the Chinese are, are building these products, then are the working conditions uh, like they should be. And so these will all be all the questions that will get raised in the next uh, months and, and years to come. And it's, it's going to go just increasingly like that. I mean, just increasingly a bigger challenge for Timo to to tackle.
1: Well, Annie, if you look at the Timo and other Chinese e commerce uh, apps or platforms, uh, so, you know, Timo's popularity, you know, rising popularity in many, multiple places around the world. uh, Does it say something about the Chinese e commerce or does it give, um, you know, probably some, let's say, significance uh, or some probably help, assistance or or ideas or even advice for other Chinese platforms in terms of um, expanding to overseas markets?
2: Yeah, I definitely think there are many lessons for Chinese companies in um, Timu's expansion globally. So I think a couple of things. I think one is they've done a phenomenal job of launching in a way that's, again, like has a high cultural EQ. So not only do they have a tremendous and massive team in China, but they've also had people on the ground in the US who really understand the culture. So I think culturally, Timu has had has done a good job of building a team that has that kind of cultural competence and you know doesn't have language barriers with the local market i think also on um, the scale of its launch is also quite significant for other chinese companies to take note of you know the amount of marketing promotion the amount of discounts the amount of like the size of the launch i think speaks to what's required for a chinese company to really launch successfully in another market i think there's it's not possible to have this level of success with this without this level of investment so you know, it really does feel like other Chinese companies can take a look at Timu's example and, um, you know, borrow some things from its approach. And, and finally, I think you know Timu's virality has also been very significant, and that goes hand in hand with the level of marketing promotion they've done. But their virality on social media, on TikTok, on Instagram, on other major, um, you know, Western social media platforms has also been very significant. They've really tapped into, I think a. A cultural thing in the western world where haul videos are very popular the fact that timu is so cheap and also allows people to produce more haul videos i think has actually been a huge contributor to its success and i think that's another thing to you know take note of if you're a chinese company which is um what are those things in western markets that really grow virality that are more native and familiar to them and how can you tap into that kind of growth
1: Well, with that, we come to the end of today's show. Many thanks to our guests. I'm Xu Qingzhuo. See you next time.
0: With a history of 5,000 years, it's no surprise that China has created a fabulous treasury of folk tales. Once a year, on the seventh day of the seventh month, all the magpies fly up to heaven and form a bridge so many amazing worlds to discover. I want a new palace, said King Mu of Zhou one day. Chinese folktales retold for audiences today. Will, will you marry me? he asked. And with little hesitation, she said, <laughs> Yes! 5,000 years of amazing Chinese folktales. My father must not go to war. Someone must take his place you'll find Chinese Folk Tales Season 3 wherever you discover your favourite podcasts. Sideline Story brings you all things sports-related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China
3: and around the world.